knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Uh, I became paralyzed after complications from open heart surgery when I was five years old. So it, it was, you know, really young in life and, and never knew any different. And, and I think that's really a good thing, I guess, if it's going to happen. You know, it happened to me when I was so young. Um, so that was that that helped me a lot in the long run. And, you know, it, my parents always, you know, helped me do anything I wanted to do and just kind of pushed me, not necessarily pushed me, but, you know, just helped me do anything, you know, in the outdoors from fishing to hunting, um, you know, and, and do anything I can do. And that just, that just made all the difference in the world. And I just kind of carried that on, I guess, through life. I'm Ron Riles, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast today. Got a great guest. Ron Riles is going to join us. Ron is working with Shaw Grigsby, Rob Chapman, Hunter Bland, and is becoming a fishing coach, a real coach for a university fishing team. It's kind of a new thing. Ron's got a really interesting story. I love talking to him about what he's got going on in addition to the uh, the new college bass. So stand by for a great conversation with my friend Ron Riles. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Ron Riles. Yes, sir. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. Good I'm deal. Great. Um, what have you been up to lately? Uh, getting ready for the big fishing season. We just finished up our first Bassmaster Eastern Open and... Um, just getting ready for the year and getting ready to work a bunch of shows and fish tournaments all over and do some guiding. Yeah. And where, where do you do most of your guiding? Uh, I guide at Bienville Plantation in White nice. Springs, mostly. 
That place is amazing. I <laughs> it is there. pretty neat. I've been there once. <laughs> yes, uh, sir. So how long have you been doing that? Uh, I'm on my 23rd year guiding out there. 23rd year? <laughs> yes, sir. I bet you've seen some big bass come out of that place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the what is the record? The record out there is 1568 is wow. our largest bit, uh, bass that's been caught out there. Is that a live bait bass or a nope, lure bass? all artificial. Really? Yep. <laughs> Do they allow any live bait there? No, we don't. We actually experimented with it for a year or so, and, and it wasn't that impressive i mean we seem to do better with artificial than we do with the live bait so what does it take to grow a 15 pound bass oh goodness <laughs> a lot of bait that they eat in the water and good nutrients in the in the lakes and stuff like that so are you putting like shad in the lakes we have at times um we've moved them around from one lake to the other um or something like that when we needed to um but mainly just those lakes those phosphate lakes are so rich in nutrients they grow bait and yeah. grow um vegetation and stuff so well that it's 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 pretty impressive to watch them after they mine a new one because they're still mining on some of the property and it's neat to watch those lakes grow after they start mining and yeah. when you know from when they start mining to when we stock them if we have to stock them and all that stuff that seems like a pretty good opportunity for for being a, a bass guide to hook up with a place like the Enville <laughs> 23 years ago how did that happen it is i mean i was really young when i started and i got really spoiled really quick i'm catching fish out there um <laughs> they they were in the new stages of building the plantation up and all that too so i i kind of got in at the you know the early stages of it and got to got to watch everything grow from there what would, what did it look like in the beginning? Oh my! Uh, some of the lakes really were really neat. They were just dirt mounds and stuff before all the trees and vegetation started growing on them and and all that. So it was it, it was it, it just looked different. You know, yeah. it was kind of weird to see some of it, honestly. Yeah, and but was there potential for for like big fish right away? Absolutely, and yeah, they, because of that water, like right. the phosphate well, lakes. Well, the like, phosphate mines had been built; they had been mining um, since the seventies, I believe, sometime in the seventies. And the phosphate company still owned a lot of them, but now and then Bienville bought a bunch of the lakes and a bunch of the property and started that. So the fish, a lot of the fish were already there that mm. that Bienville bought. So, so it was it, it was already. A good fishery before that but some of those lakes have been like enhanced or crafted like to make it better for for fishing and yes. growing bass right well now there's i guess the epa regulations or something like that they have to reclaim those lakes and make the slope certain things plant vegetation do different stuff with the water and and water flow and stuff like that so there's a lot of different regulations that they have to do which in turn helps mold them for a great fishery well, that's what i was going to say like the regulations are they like sometimes you know the government might want certain things but they don't know anything about growing big bass right where where these regulations are they are they like do they help like I, I think planting so. Planting the stuff on the banks obviously is probably a, it's, a benefit. Oh yeah, absolutely. It helps with erosion and filling in the lakes and not to mention, you know, just just the stuff that goes down into the water after that you know mm -hmm. i mean we do have a lot of hydro and a lot of cattails in those lakes and it grows really fast so we have to control that but but yeah it definitely the the regulations seem to help and it cleans the water up um and makes it a great fishery hmm. that's cool <laughs> how many days out there do you got a year oh goodness i it, it varies from year to year depending on my tournament schedules and stuff um i mean i've got it you know 
I, I probably say on average probably 40 or 50 times a year, something like that, on average. And then how many tournaments are you fishing? Um, right now, just mainly focusing on the Eastern Opens, which is four tournaments a year, but they're scattered from Florida. We just started in Kissimmee, um, what, last week, I guess it was, or week before last. And then um, we go all the way to New York. We're fishing in Oneida on, in Syracuse, New York. So that's going to be <laughs> that's gonna be a long trip. <laughs> what time of the year is that? Um, that'll be in August. Man, I drove up to Syracuse, New York with my son to play lacrosse. It's a long way. <laughs> that is a long that's drive. Pulling a long boat especially. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like right on the Canadian border, kind of <laughs> way up there. Yes. I didn't realize, like at first, I look at the lacrosse schedule and I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess we're going to New York. But then we keep going and keep going and keep going. Yeah, and I it's, mean, it's uh, a long way up there. Yeah, I want to say it was like 20 hours for us to drive from here, from yeah. Live Oak, where I live. What's your travel um, gig look like? Do you, do you <laughs> stay in the truck or you stay in hotels or campgrounds or what do you do? Um, sometimes we stay in hotels like when we're on the road, just just you know to and from like Oneida. We'll have to stop and stay in a hotel and got some good friends that we travel with. Um, Hunter Bland is one that we travel mm-hmm. with. Me and him travel together and just we we usually rent houses a lot oh, yeah. of times on the lakes or close to the lake that yeah. way it's it, it seems to be cheaper you got everything right there you can cook your own meals and stuff like that and it's a lot more comfortable than a hotel it's certainly and, better than a hotel a lot of guys stay in the campgrounds like yeah. pull, starting to pull the rvs yes and, they are and then like miles my friend he's got the the what i consider I've always wanted a rig like this i'm super <laughs> it's nice jealous. i saw like, pictures of well, it yeah like the, the, in the in the bed camper with mm-hmm. the over the top i don't know what you call that i guess it's like uh, a it's, truck bed camper yeah yeah i think something similar <laughs> to so that then he gets there and he takes that out and leaves it and now you got your truck and you can pull the boat which is a lot different than like driving an rv or like <laughs> who was it that had that um had that super rig a few many years ago and like the the they were pull something and i then think randy howl did randy that howl, yeah, he howl, had like a big trailer it was um the, the howl uh Hauler. Hauler. Yeah. Hauler. Hauler. Yeah, they that's had it at ICAST one year. <laughs> yep. I was looking at that. That's when we were fishing the redfish tournaments. And I was like, oh. Yeah, pull your truck and boat thing. inside of the trailer and, <sighs> and pull it with a with like a big semi-type yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, but there was only one problem with the redfish tournaments is that uh, the maximum that you could win was $50,000. And it was a two-man team. So really the maximum you could win was $25,000. <laughs> yep. And instead of like bass fishing, there were about six tournaments instead of a whole season full of tournaments. <laughs> right. so I'm looking at that going, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's <laughs> super nice, and I would love to have that, but uh, there's just no way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the Howl Hauler, does he still have that thing? I, I don't know, but I don't think so. I mean, he hadn't posted any pictures or anything Man, lately. That thing was anyway. unbelievable. <laughs> it was. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> that was unbelievable. You see, you have a Wiley X hat on. Mm, yes, sir. You wear those glasses? Is I that have. I've been wearing Wiley Xs for probably 10 years or better now, I we think. Just, we just switched over to them, yeah. and I, I love them. <laughs> I mean, I really, really like them. I, I wear this one. What is the one that you've got? I'm wear, I'm wearing the Omegas. I've been wearing those a lot lately, and you've got the Valors yeah. there. I um, like the Valor and the Saint. The, I've always liked yep. the ones with no no rim at the bottom. I don't know why. <laughs> I can just see kind of a black line under there, you know, that it's a little bit distracting for right. me, and the, the rimless ones are 
um, better. But right. man, I, I well, that's love the good them. part about the Wiley X is they've got so many different styles and all. You can find one to fit your face or your personal preference and all that. It's a really, really great line Did of glasses. You, have you tried the ones with the the little gasket inside? I, of ha- I have. Yeah, I've I, I wear some of the ones with the gaskets in it. They're great for running mm-hmm. um, on the boats and stuff. You don't get the air coming in and your eyes right. watering and stuff like that. Right. And it, they seal to your face just like a goggle almost does, but you I don't know. have a strap holding them on. They just do I it. Showed the way those too um and they're both out in montana and they do a lot of skiing and they were like man these are perfect for spring <laughs> skiing because yeah. you know they'll they'll just ski like in sometimes they go out there in shorts um and then <laughs> wow. where I, like, I mean, you know because it's like in march or whatever and it's 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 50 degrees right but you're on this mountain and the wind's not blowing and it's like what they call spring skiing and i guess it's really warm um but everything gets less. Like instead of the <laughs> instead of the big goggles, they'll go with sunglasses and nice. you know, a That's light cool. jacket instead of a whole snowsuit or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I've liked those. I've liked those a bunch. Um, so you're just now getting started with your uh, with your season. For yeah, the pretty much. It's, it, it just started last week, and and we're kicked off with that, and then do a lot of local tournaments too. We do some benefit tournaments scattered around, and we also got. Um, we work at the Bassmaster Classic for different sponsors and, and stuff like that. And then later in the year, we got ICAST, like you were mm-hmm. saying, too. And so it's 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 a busy year. It, it looks really busy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, are you married? I am married. Been married for almost 17 years now. Really? This, this, Congratulations. This year will be 17. That's so awesome. Thank you. And so does she go with you sometimes? She, she gets to travel to some of the tournaments, depending on her job schedule and all, but it was, she gets to travel as much as she can with us anyway. So has fishing always been, like, since you've known her, has fishing always been, like, a big part of your life? <laughs> yes, it has. It's It's been with guiding and all. We, we met. I guess 19 years ago. So I'd already been guiding and fishing some tournaments and all that. And it's, it's been a huge part of, of what we do. Yeah. And she's <laughs> always been supportive. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's been great. <laughs> yeah. What does she do for a living? Um, she manages a, a couple of stores and a bulk plant for a oil company out of Gainesville, okay. a petroleum company. Does that give her some time to, to go with you? It, it, she just actually started this job back in uh, April or May, so she changed jobs. So she's working on getting vacation and stuff like that. So she hadn't been there a year yet to get all the vacations. But before, at her other job working for a bank, she, she got quite a bit of vacation and got to travel with us quite a bit. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> yes, sir. So I can't help but notice that you, you rolled up here in your wheelchair. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so... I'm interested in your story, like how, how you turned into a fishing guide and, and how, just how all this happened for you. Gotcha. Um, uh, I became paralyzed after complications from open heart surgery when I was five years old. So it, it was, you know, really young in life and, and never knew any different. And, and I think that's really a good thing, I guess, if it's going to happen, you know, it happened to me when I was so young. Right. Um, so that was that that helped me a lot in the long run and you know at my parents always you know helped me do anything i wanted to do and just kind of pushed me not necessarily pushed me but you know just helped me do anything you know in the outdoors from fishing to hunting um you know and and do anything i can do and that just that just made all the difference in the world and i just kind of carried that on i guess through life was outdoors always a big part of your family's tradition mainly fish or excuse me mainly hunting um fishing came in a little later on my dad actually helped me get my first boat and and you know 
we started going to tournaments, um, disabled tournaments. I started fishing some of those. The paralyzed veterans actually do a disabled trail that's all over the country. And I remember, you know, I was 14, 15 years old that um, dad would take me down to Sanford to fish on the St. John's River at one of the PVA tournaments. And you don't have to be a veteran to fish those. Anybody disabled can. So, you know, that's how I was able to fish them. And they still do them to this day. Yeah. Um, and I still fish some of them every now and then, even even with everything else going on. So it's a it's it's really cool tournaments and stuff like that and started that. But we had always hunted. I had hunted since I was, you know, right after I became, you know, paralyzed and got put in a wheelchair. Um, but. And then the fishing started, like I said, later on. So it's mm -hmm. all, the outdoors have always been a big part of my life. Yeah. So when you were five, what what led to having open heart surgery? Um, the I, I believe coartation of the aorta is how it's actually worded or whatever. But basically, um, valve in my heart wasn't working and okay. opening properly. And, and that was what I was, I was born with that. And they had to wait until I was five to do the, the surgery until I got old enough. Right. And then there was a complication there, and and that's that's when you lost the use of your legs. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And um, so that's when, like, did your dad think, okay, well, hunting is something that we can we can do together? Or, or uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, we we uh, it it's crazy. We never really talked about it. We just always did it, you know. And and I guess. You know, it was just something for us to get away and, you know, you don't have to necessarily have use of your legs to go hunting or whatever right. and, and all. So. Yeah. And what, what would you hunt mostly? Like deer, deer. Or turkeys? Deer. Or? Mainly deer. We did a little bit of turkey hunting. That was mainly kind of something that I liked more than he did, but but mainly with deer hunting. You like turkeys more than more than your dad? Uh, I like the turkey hunt more than my dad, more than my dad for sure. <laughs> I like turkey hunting more than my dad too. They, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think turkey hunting is kind of like I think it's I equate it to to like fishing. Like there's a type of fishing that I like to do, which is permit fishing, and the mm -hmm. permit is a fish that you see before you catch it usually, right? And it's shy. <laughs> and you can, if you just storm in there, you're going to scare them all. <laughs> right. So you got to kind of, you, you know, you might see them coming and you can pull up in front of them and kind of wait for them to come to you. And you can, you can see them. Tarpon fishing is a lot the same and right. bone fishing is a lot the same, but the permit is just more shy. Right. And they, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, a little they're more also spooky. smarter, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they, they have a good eyeball and they can see you and they don't tolerate like, a lot of times a tarpon will see you and he's not going to eat, but he'll just swim right on by. Right. <laughs> and he's not going to eat it. But a permit is just like, Nope, I'm out. And <laughs> see so I see that with turkeys too, that, yeah. that turkeys are kind of like that. And I, I always kind of, the first time I ever went turkey hunting, I was like, wow, this is, this is like permit fishing. <laughs> That's why I liked it. More. Right. Where, where deer hunting, I don't know. I fall asleep real easy. If I sit in one place, <laughs> if I sit in one place for too long, I fall asleep. And I think, you know, you, it, some people call it narcolepsy. I, I've been to the doctor and I don't actually have narcolepsy, <laughs> but he said I have a lot of the symptoms of being narcoleptic. Oh, goodness. And so I'm afraid I'm going to fall out of the tree stand. That would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I, I know enough about, what deer hunting is all about and how long you need to sit in that tree stand. And especially if it's cold and you got like a nice warm jacket on and everything's good. 
Oh, yeah. I'll go to sleep yeah. right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get too comfortable up there, I could do the same I thing. Know, that's for if sure. I fall asleep turkey hunting, I just lay down on the ground. <laughs> and I, that, the worst thing that can happen is I'm covered with ticks. Uh, that was, Yeah, that's that's not very good either. Yeah, I, don't like, I don't like <laughs> better, the ticks. That's better than falling out of a tree stand, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't want to fall out of the tree stand. So I kind of I don't deer hunt as much, but I like the turkey hunting. Gotcha. I like the turkey hunting a lot. Um, so when you started, um, fishing these tournaments as a kid, did you ever think that this is something that this is a way that you would pursue? No, not really at all. Um, so when did that change? Um, well, when I fished the tournaments as a kid, I was a non-boater. I didn't, you know, I was going as a co-angler or whatever, didn't have a boat. I mean, we had a little John boat and that was it. That's what me and dad fished out of or whatever when we did go. Um, but as I got older, got out of high school, um, started working a job for a f- family friend of ours and saved up some money. And then dad helped me get a, a small bass boat. It was like a 17 foot bass boat and started fishing a couple local tournaments at a little lake right down the road from my house and, and ended up meeting a couple of guys that guided out at Bienville. They had just started and they, you know, kind of said, Hey, we need some guides. You know, we're getting this thing off the ground and, and went out there and actually started guiding, you know, when I was like 18 years old. So wow. it's, it's been a while that I've been doing that. And and it just kind of grew from there. And and then the bigger tournaments, I got to watching, you know, the bigger tournaments and stuff like that and just got really interested in those instead of local and started wanting to do regional stuff. And, and even after that, national stuff now. Uh-huh. So it's, it's, it's just grown. You know, it's a slow process, I guess, for me. I didn't get into it young like, like some of the other guys on a bigger scale, but it's still, you know, still something I definitely want to do. I want to compete, and I love competing on the tournaments and stuff. That's a cool adrenaline rush and fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so how many tournaments do you think you'll do a year? Um, usually only probably eight or ten um, just because of – of travel with the opens i mean they're they're basically a triple a the Bassmaster eastern opens are almost like a triple a tournament level and uh, and trying to build from that and they're they're expensive yeah, and gonna, a lot of travel i'm gonna ask like <laughs> how do you how do you manage the uh the expenses and uh, that's um from guiding that's make the money guiding to help out with that and do have some sponsors that that help out with some of the stuff too yeah that's a that's a it's a tough way, man. I mean, like <laughs> yes, we tried to do it on the, on the redfish tournaments, like I was saying, and, and, um, they're just, it, the, the sport wasn't mature enough to really support professional teams. Gotcha. There was maybe one or two, mm-hmm. like the Watts brothers, they right. were, yeah. they were doing it and I don't think that they were doing anything else, but I don't know that when I was doing it, that there was any, another team, not, not a single other team that was doing nothing but fishing professional redfish tournaments right it just wasn't mature enough and then (laughs) you had like that was when the ifa started and then there was the espn redfish cup and so now you had two tournament trails right and so then it was like okay i see now there's now there's 12 tournaments and maybe (laughs) maybe you could make that happen but when when the sport's like in its infancy and there's not enough um money in it that makes it real tough everybody else was fishing guides you know (laughs) right like it was just the whoever all the teams were fishing guides what what do you see at that level um like you called it a triple a level what do you are most people like working some other kind of job are they guides are they 
doing it's a little bit of everything honestly we get we get them from you know guys that just want to fish the opens or there is a lot of guys that want to qualify for the elite series which is you know the bassmaster elite series is a, a very high level of you know of fishing competition and that's that's the only way to qual or one of the few ways to qualify for the elites is through the open. So we actually get guys from the elites that need to requalify mm. or want to requalify all the way to the guys that are just, you know, wanting to do it because they, because they can compete against right. those guys too. Right. Um, so it's, what it's does it take fast. to qualify um, for the elites. Yeah. You have to finish in the top four in the, either the Eastern division or the central division or this year they're actually going to putting the points together from both of those divisions and the top four qualify of the combined points. So there's three different ways. There's three different ways um, through the opens to qualify. Uh And then what are the other ways that you could qualify? Um, One way is through the Bass Nation Championship. Um, You can qualify through that. If you win that, I believe you get an Elite Series invite also. So that's only one guy is going to get that's that. That's one guy. Okay, and then, that seems like a tough way to go. <laughs> that is a very, that's, that's the toughest way <laughs> yeah. to go, honestly, because there's, that's your weekend anglers from all over the world, really, because right. there's some from Mexico and, and a few other countries that actually qualify for that. So, wow. and, and it's a small list that actually qualifies for that out of the thousands of anglers that try to every year. Right. And then there's the Federation. Do you, does that Well, that's, still... that's the Bass Nation okay, is what the... was the, the Bass Federation. So that's why yes. people love Iconelli so much because he was that one guy, right? <laughs> he was, he he was the one of the guys that qualified through that. Brandon Palnick actually also he qualified, also qualified through, through, through the. He won the Bass Nation Championship in 2010, I believe it was. I think so. I think it yeah. was 2010. So that really qualified. that's a that would it might be the hardest way to go, but that's that's quite a springboard because now you have this <laughs> army of people that are like, man, that could be me. Right. Like <laughs> that, like Brandon Polinick, he's yeah. one of the most popular. Yeah, Ike exactly. He's one of the most popular of all time. <laughs> and it's like, I guess a big part of that is that they qualified through and people, everybody that's doing that knows how hard that was to, <laughs> oh, to yeah, qualify. Yeah. Yeah, Not that the Bass Open, uh, like the Open isn't, but it seems like there's more opportunity. There's four there, there is. spots right. in two different four divisions. Four out of 200 or so, 225. There was 225 boats in our first tournament um, down in Kissimmee. So, right. so four spots out of that. And f- through the Bass Nation, you're talking thousands and thousands that try to qualify for the Bass Nation Championship which is, I'm not sure how many they're putting, letting into that now. Um, but I mean, that's a, there's thousands of anglers that fish across the world that try to qualify for that. So wow. it's, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> so then once, once you get into the, the elite tournaments, what, what does it take to stay there? Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I mean, you have, you have to, to finish so many points. Uh, yeah. It's a point system through the year and I'm not, uh, I'm not sure exactly how, what place you have to finish. They guarantee so many spots, um, for the next year. Um, and then like, like we said, there's 12 spots through the opens. Um, hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. 
but I wish I could remember all the numbers now. I haven't went over them. They've they've changed some stuff lately, and I haven't really went over the numbers to mm-hmm. stay in it. But it's through a point system, and you've got to have you know a pretty good year, honestly, to to requalify through the elites automatically. Yeah. yeah, and then if you don't, you're going right back to Bass Nation or the or the or open. or the opens. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So what? What's your best year in the Opens? Um, last year was actually my best year. Um, I finished 60th in points, which, you know, for me, I've only been fishing them full time for four years, yeah. so I was I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. Um, for the points year, and and you know, I I've seen the progression of you know getting better and learning more, and you know, just kind of paying attention to what everybody else is, kind of how they manage their practice time and and stuff like that. So that's helped. What are the the regulations on practice? Um, like- for the opens, we actually there's no cut off time, um, so we can pre fish for a month before it if we wanted really? to. Um, but on the Monday, starting the Monday before the tournament, on the majority of them, you can't fish with anybody or get any info from anybody that is not in the tournament. Right. But but pre fishing, there's not really a, a time limit that we can. Um, you know, not fish the lakes before the tournament. Yeah. That seems like a big difference between it. And that's <laughs> different between that and the, the elite series, right? Yes. There's only like three days of practice of official practice. Right. And they have a really long off limits that they can't get any info or be on the water before that. So yeah, there's, there's a big jump there. So have you seen that some people will take advantage of that, that uh, no cutoff, and do really well in tournaments like well that guy's been living here for a month <laughs> there there is guys that do that because and that's what was happening in the redfish tournaments i mean and some people would would uh they would go there and they would spend a month yeah you know and they would know everything what was going on with those fish and it's a huge advantage <laughs> but then they wouldn't have the advantage at the next location, right? right? Because they spent all, they their, spend time all their time here. there. Yep. So there's this. That's about the same way with us, too. I mean, like we said, there's guys that spend a month, but they don't necessarily. Sometimes they do really good. Sometimes they, they don't. They It just it varies from tournament to tournament, especially the early ones, especially in Florida when you get like a cold front or if you get something right. like that. Conditions change so much in the early part of the year that it you, you can get some patterns down, but it, it's still you know, there's a lot of other variations in there too, that things that change a lot of other variables. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny way to make a living, man. It really <laughs> it is. is. It, it's a, uh, I, I don't know. It, there are very few people that can, that can make a living kind of like golf almost too. Like very few people that are making a living only on course income. They're probably, probably like in the open series, I would imagine that there are very few people that are making enough money through winning i don't know that there are any, any of them are honestly so yeah. what do you what do you besides do? the guys that are already on the elites or on the the flw um pro circuit now or pro series right. i think they're calling it or something like that so you've got you've got your gig at, at bienville mm-hmm. and then is that enough between that and the and the tournaments to make it through the year (laughs) it's close it's it's, it's close honestly (laughs) um um you know like i said having good sponsors and stuff like that that help out with with you know products and and, you know income at shows because working like icast shows we get paid for going there for working for sponsors or the bassmaster classic for the outdoor expo and stuff yeah we get 
um, you know, stuff for that. And we get compensated for that too. So that's, it's, you have to stay busy to make it in this industry for you, sure. You definitely have to stay busy. <laughs> how did you learn how to do that? Um, honestly, I worked some shows when I was, you know, just starting and, and getting into that. And I just watched the other guys, you know, I've, I've been, I've been lucky enough to become friends with Gerald Swindle and okay. he's probably one of the hardest working guys that's, that's on the elite series. Um, and been traveling, you know, the country doing this stuff for years. And I got to watch him early on. And he is probably one of the ones that actually got me interested in this more because watching how busy he was and just, just to make it through that stuff. And I mean, he was one of the first ones I saw that had sponsors all over his Jersey. And I was like, dang, man, you don't have any room left. He's like, Hey, we've got to work harder. We don't make it in this thing. And it, it kind of, you know, helped me, you know, realize all that years ago when I first met him. And he's been kind of a mentor. Uh, kind of, yeah, we've, we've hung out quite a bit and, you know, I learned from him and another guy named Marty Stone that actually isn't fishing really anymore. He's one of the, um, on the water analysts for major league fishing mm -hmm. and Marty has helped me through the years to also kind of just kind of learn the industry. What do you think the biggest lessons that you've taken away from either one of those guys are? Um, hmm. that's, that's a tough question. There's been so many, <laughs> honestly. Um, but you know, um, one thing is just, just be yourself and, and don't, don't try to be something you're not just go and it, be yourself and people, you know, like you for who you are and just, just work hard, honestly. And, and just stay busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Gerald Swindle, I don't know Marty, but I, I do know a lot about Gerald and he has, uh, he has definitely stayed busy and that's certainly a, a, a good person to, to learn from. <laughs> yeah, like he's, absolutely. He's got all the, all the right sponsors and he's also had a tremendous uh, career and winnings and stuff. Yes, he has. He, he really has. And, you know, and just his personality is just, everybody is drawn to him because of his personality. And it's so cool to watch him around people too. It's just, it's amazing to see how all that works. And yeah, he know. used to be on TV a lot. Like when, when Bass was still on ESPN and <laughs> they had, what was that show? Pimp my boat. And he <laughs> yeah, was well, on that was, a lot, yeah, I think. Something like that. Was, there were there were always things going on. Oh yeah, where he was <laughs> he was always on on TV. <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, do you have any um, any other projects that you work on outside of fishing? Well, or, we're or? we're doing we're actually just announcing the college um, being a college coach um, at Florida Gateway College okay. in Lake City, and that's that's going to be a, a fun gig. That's that seems like you know it's going to be really good and got some great people around me. I mean Hunter Bland that that we've done you've done yep. a podcast with and and uh, Shaw Grigsby yes. is and and Rob Chapman Rob's you know, really great with the social media and all that. And Hunter and Shaw just for their fishing knowledge and their, their social media stuff. And, and just their, you know, the, just the, the people that they are just yeah. awesome to be around so and be a part of. come together for you to be part of that? Um, well, I've done some stuff with Rob Chapman in the past for the last few years. He actually wrote an article on me and, and we fished together quite a bit and he was, you know, kind of the driving force at the college, him being employed at the college also. And, and he started it, you know, getting to the attention of the, the administrators at the college and started selling it to them. And, and it's grown in a hurry. I mean, we've only been talking about this a few weeks now, and now we're now us three, you wow. know, four coaches and, and it's and getting kicked off in a hurry. That's great. <laughs> 
So how many anglers do you anticipate having? Um, we're probably going to try to do up to 10, something like that. Um, if we can get six to 10 somewhere in that range and, you know, have up to five teams, it, it will be a huge first year for us. Hmm, so hopefully yeah. that we can accomplish that. And then have you worked with Shaw Grigsby before? Um, not necessarily worked with him. We've just known each other. I mean, he lives in Gainesville, just south of us, and, and he's done some shows and stuff at Benville. Um, in the past and just been you know associated with him in that and been friends with him from that the last heck 15 or so years at least i'd yeah. say <laughs> man he's uh he's something he I, is I really <laughs> uh really have had a, a a lot of respect and and admiration for him over the years so he that was the first uh television show i ever did was shaw really? one more cast that was my that was my introduction to television and <laughs> shaw at the time if i'm not mistaken his show was on TNN on Monday nights, and we did a Barracuda show out of Key West. And we went and had a great day, uh, <laughs> caught a bunch of big Cudas. He wanted to catch a 20-pounder, and nice. I think we ended up catching a 20-pounder. It, it made for a nice show, and I had no idea what was going to happen, none whatsoever. <laughs> and this is back in the day of... Um, answering machines with cassette tapes in them mm -hmm. like that's how i had it and, <laughs> and i remember getting home from fishing one time and i didn't know that the show had been on the air and i think it came on the air on new year's day and i was fishing so much back then i was fishing on new year's day and i didn't actually see it come on for the first time and i look at the answering machine and never before had it been like this but there was a red light that i didn't even know was on there and it was like <laughs> tape full and I'd never seen that flashing before. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so I hit play and it's like, hey, just saw you on Shaw Grigsby's show. And next, next one, <laughs> saw you on Shaw Grigsby's show. Next one, saw you on Shaw Grigsby's show. Next one, I want a barracuda fish. Next one. And the, it filled up the whole tape. <laughs> nice. And then I put a new tape in there and filled that tape up. And it just, the phone never stopped ringing. And I, of course, I couldn't take all those people. Right. Like, there's only so many days you can take somebody fishing. <laughs> but I just couldn't believe that someone could have, or one show could have that kind of impact. Absolutely, and man. <laughs> that's when I decided. Huh, I think I might want to do some TV. It was right. It was right there on that on that show. And still oh, to that's... this day, I don't <laughs> think that we've ever done a television show that had that kind of. A response, <laughs> but back in those days, TNN had a bigger audience. Oh yeah, that they was, had a huge I mean, like audience back then. Talk about the good old days of fishing television. <laughs> that was it. That, I mean, it was, was like yeah. Bill Dance, Shaw Grigsby, maybe Roland Martin, all three uh, back to back on I think Monday Orlando nights. Orlando Wilson was thrown in Probably. there at some point in time too. I believe. Probably yeah. <laughs> Orlando Wilson. Man, I hadn't thought about him in a long time. <laughs> I used to he used to catch some big fish. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. But that um, that show with Shaw Grigsby that was. That was something, man. I mean, I yeah, for I that just, to be your first show, that's 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 a good one to it. start with. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing was, is like I that Shaw didn't even call me. <laughs> the 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 uh, uh, producer of his show called my friend, and my friend was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, maybe oh maybe call call this other guy." And so he <laughs> gave it to me. It was Marshall Cutchin. Marshall Cutchin. He was like all into fly fishing for permit, and he so. He didn't really want to do a spin fishing show for barracudas. I was like, I'll do a spin fishing show for barracudas. I think yeah. that'd be awesome. <laughs> like, sounds good. And so we did that. But Shaw just 
like I just I just I remember him pulling in and and he had a white Ford Econo line van with no windows in it. <laughs> and the whole side, no, it, it did have window. It was like a customized Choo Choo Customs van. But the whole side, it was before wraps, right. but it had a giant quantum sticker on the side of it. <laughs> giant. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa. I, I mean, this is, nobody had anything like this. Yeah. <laughs> nobody. And he pulls in, he's got his, he's towing his, his, his boat. And I was like, you, you drive a van, huh? He's like, yeah, this is the best way I sleep in here. I do all this. I, you know, he pulls out, he's got, he's like, what kind of rods are we going to use? I was like, ah, you know, like a seven foot medium, medium heavy. And he pulls out about 60 rods <laughs> and puts them on the side of his van. And I was like, Wow. wow this guy's got it figured out man. exactly he knows something that i don't know <laughs> and i'm gonna find out what it is and and he was kind enough to share a lot of things that i didn't know um but that's going to be a great experience not only for for the students um but also for the coaches for you and hunter Absolutely. And, and rob to uh yeah. to be gathering some information from shaw because he's yeah, a lifetime can, of information we, we will learn a lot from shaw this year i'm sure <laughs> yeah how do you see uh a, a bass fishing team like the organization i talked to hunter about it a little bit but mm -hmm. like do you think you'll have like practices and like a, a set meeting time and is it gonna are you gonna mirror like what other sports do like um i'm sure we will we're gonna have to the good part is we get to set all that up right. the way we yeah, want to it's it'd like, be in a new program and and there's gonna be some practice days and we're we're having to work with the college about um accommodations and stuff whether we can you know if they have to stay in a hotel or we can rent a house or or what we need to do um so it's a it's it's going to be it's it's going to be a learning process for all of us in that part also but we're gonna we're gonna set it up you know we're gonna mirror some of the stuff i mean hunter's got the experience from the university of florida that he did and that's that's going to help us tremendously to to get some of the stuff set up but the kids will go out and they'll they'll get to practice and and spend some time on the water on the lakes and and stuff like that and and learn as much on the lakes because it's a I guess there's there's actually tournaments all over the place, you know, for them. It depends on how much we can, you know, fund with travel and stuff like that mm -hmm. also through the college to get to see how what different lakes they get to fish and all. If you could blue sky it and just think about that opportunity being the being the the best for this year that you could possibly imagine it to be, <laughs> how what would you think would would be your kind of vision of of total success for this program this year? Um you know, total success I've, just for the year, I would say if we can get six teams or not six teams, five teams, that would be a huge success. I, I think more realistically, we could probably get, you know, two to three to begin with and get them to compete and just be competitive at and at that level, you know, and getting the it off the ground mm -hmm. and just, you know, get some recognition maybe, you know, and maybe some articles around or, or more podcasts possibly or something yeah. like that to get the kids some recognition and get the college's name out there also. Hmm. That, that would be a huge success for the first year, I think. Yeah. Well, that seems incredibly realistic. I mean, especially with the draw that you have with, <laughs> with the, the coaches yourself and, and Rob and Hunter. And then, of course, Shaw Grigsby, I would imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. There's some kid out there that would quit. <laughs> 
whatever school he's going to now and <laughs> we've, go we've, there. We've got quite a few adults that want to do I the know. same thing. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll, I, 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 I'd like to do How many years it. of eligibility do you have left? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is there, I wonder, is there even that? Like, could maybe you could just... Maybe you could just do it. Like, we is actually it, is talked it, um, about that in our meeting, and it, it, I think there is something with eligibility there, but there is a possibility. But I, you know, we, I think I have, I still have some eligibility there you, left. There you go. I'll come back. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll come back, and I'm not even that interested in fishing the tournaments. I'll just sit in on the seminars. With, <laughs> just want to be a fly on the wall yeah, for, the, I mean, for the meetings. I I agree. <laughs> you know, I know, I know, I know enough about this business and enough about this lifestyle to realize that. There's a whole lot about it that I don't know and that I sure would like to know. And um, <laughs> you've got a guy that, that knows a lot. A lot, that's for sure. Yeah, and this then is, I would this... imagine it's probably going to be pretty easy for, for Shaw to ask any of his friends to come in as a guest lecturer at any time. And uh, you got Roland Martin all of a sudden <laughs> doing a little clinic there or something. I mean, Yeah, there's no telling. I, I mean, that just seems like a natural. Those guys are good friends and... He's all around and, uh, you know, people like to share, people oh, yeah. like to share and given the opportunity to share what they know to help other people, I would think that you would have a lot of people, a lot of, you know, Shaw's friends and contemporaries that would, would love to come there and share Absolutely. like what they know. Especially with a growing program and getting in kid, getting, you know, the younger kids involved. I mean, they're college age kids, but they're still younger from what, you know, what I am and what, you know, Shaw and them are, you know, I'm. It just you know everybody wants the kids to to keep the sport going and mm -hmm. we've got to have that if we don't right. it's it'll go away <laughs> do you see that that bass fishing in college college bass fishing is is growing quicker than any other i i think it is segment of bass fishing i i think so it's gotten huge in the last few years and it's i mean there's a possibility of qualifying for the bassmaster classic through through the college fishing deal really? so that's that's a huge, huge deal there. Wow. Man, that would be nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be like, all of a sudden, I can't even imagine backing your trailer down the ramp at the Bassmaster Classic. You're the only 18-year-old kid there. Exactly. And you're going down the ramp like, like a snake. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, Gerald Swindle. Sorry, Kevin Van Dam. I didn't mean to hit your trailer. <laughs> like, what a... That would... I mean, that, you, yeah, that you would... would I, I would I have to find somebody to back me down at that age. I you always know, think about when like, I was that like, age. Uh, quarterbacks, like you see these true freshman quarterbacks, and 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 you're watching on television, and and they're at you know some packed stadium, and you're like, last year that kid was playing in front of 500 people. <laughs> yeah. What kind? What would that be like? Yeah. Like that's what that would be like. That's it's like, what it like would be backing like. your trailer yep. down the ramp at four o'clock in the morning in front of all the the everybody you've been watching for the rest in of your the life. Crowds of people <laughs> everywhere. I mean, it's the classic launches are are impressive with oh, all the people man. and spectators and stuff. Not to mention the competitors. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know, man. You got to always get your. You got to always get your little little. Uh, system down about how how you back in and get your boat yep. out and all that what what's your system for that um i, I just have a you know a, i i just have a you know a routine that i do from unhooking the straps on the boat and getting the motor support off the boat and putting the plug in and stuff like that so i just have a you know just a routine that i've done for years and just go from there honestly yeah and so when you but you back down mm -hmm. and 
like when once it comes off the trailer, like then then what for well, you? With me personally, a lot of times I'll get somebody. You know, me and Hunter have worked great together. He's been a huge help to me the right. last couple of years traveling together. But he'll actually you know help me back down, and then I'll you know beach my boat and grab his boat or something like that, yeah. or load his boat at times. Or you know we we help each other more than anything. That's, right. That's that that's been a huge help to me. So yeah, that's cool. There's there's a few ramps that I can do it by myself. Like if it's you know it depends on the dock situation and stuff like that but mainly you know get somebody to help me more than anything yeah what uh what are the places that you like to go more than others like is there a certain type of fishing that because you've spent so much time at bienville or or (laughs) or you know you're a florida angler is there something that you look for more so than, than I others. love the last couple of years we've got to go to like New York and stuff like that and catch smallmouth smallmouth bass fishing is just it's it's so fun they fight so good mm-hmm. and they all the jumping and stuff and it's it's just a blast they're a real aggressive fish you know the Florida strain largemouth can get real lethargic and they just kind of you know get lazy during a cold front or something like that or during the summer but smallmouth they're just aggressive and fun <laughs> yeah and can you win with a with a well full of smallmouth or are there certain tournaments in, where that's in that's certain the only places you're you can for. In, in certain lakes you can win definitely with smallmouth um you can bring back multiple species right yeah you can it's just it's five bass limit five bass usually it's like spotted bass if there's spotted bass in the lakes largemouth um smallmouth and i believe there was a couple of one of the tournaments we fished last year they had mean mouth and we could weigh those in but they What's had a to be mean mouth it's a what does it mean? It's a mix between a spot and a smallmouth, I believe. Huh. I think that's what it is. Really? And I, I've never seen one personally. I I've either. seen pictures of them because I had to look them up after they told us we <laughs> could weigh them in at the tournament. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's what it looks like. <laughs> I, if that's on the thing, you're just like, any weird fish is going in a live <laughs> Exactly. Well. <laughs> the bad part is they had to be 18 inches to weigh them in, and so it would have been a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> but that was on uh, Lake Chickamauga last year when we fished that. They, they told have us, those in? Uh, Lake Chickamauga. That's what, I've never that's even what heard they of said. It. That's what they said. A mean mouth. <laughs> yep. Wow. I'm gonna have to do some research on that because, <laughs> like, just a little bit further south, you actually have uh, the red eye bass, which right. is like around the Birmingham area, mm-hmm. and it's not, that's the only place. Like, that's right. a really good world record to go for, right? Because it's only right there. <laughs> like, so. It's kind of like our Swanee Bass at the yeah. Swanee River where I live at, and that's, that's the only place they are. How big is, do those get? Um, I want to say the record's in the upper three-pound range, so yeah. not very big, honestly. Yeah, so what would it take to – I mean, do you, is that like – is a three-pounder, like in your experience of fishing there your whole life, is that like – a 30 pound bass or <laughs> yeah that... basically a three pound swanee bass is is like catching a you know a 12 or a 13 pound largemouth wow. something like that it's huge yeah. yeah so maybe that's not the easiest record <laughs> it's a really difficult record but you it, yeah. at least but you at least they're only in one place yeah, exactly they're 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 regulated to or not regulated but they're you know just concentrated in those few little rivers and tributaries of of certain places Do they look Almost like a largemouth. They look a little more like a a, a smallmouth kind oh, of. Really? They 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 don't have the brown color. They're they're greener, but they they have the darker lines and darker backs and stuff. And they get they're they don't get the like the lateral line almost like you can see on the largemouth uh-huh. as much and stuff. So it's, is that water clear like where you would fish for them in the um, Swanee River? In one of the rivers, it is. I've in the Santa been, Fe River, I've never it's been crystal on clear that at times. River, but I 
pass over it on the highway, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it looks like it's dark, clear. Yeah, the Swanee water. River is more of the tannic, dark water, yeah. but the a couple of the rivers that lead into it, like the Santa Fe River, it's really clear at times of the year, depending on how much rain we get. But they'd be spooky in there. Um, they they can be, but it's still it's not as bad as you would think, really. Huh. And, so do you think that the three pounder comes from the darker water or the clear water? Uh, probably the darker water, I would imagine, because <laughs> once they get big, you know, they get a little smarter. <laughs> yeah, man, that seems that seems like I we'll have good to go do that sometime. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it's you know, sometimes sometimes you look at the record books and you you think well, that seems it seems like a doable record. Like uh, we used to do that a lot with we were very fortunate in Key West where we could, we had so many species that we could fish for and almost all of them are in the record book. <laughs> yeah. And so you just study the record book and you would be like, okay, there's a ton of Spanish mackerel around right now and they seem pretty big. So yeah. let's go back and look at all the line class. And you're like, Oh, those are all heavy. What if, <laughs> what if we did it on fly? And then you look and you're like, Oh, Hey, well, look, if you could catch possible. a four pounder on four pound fly, that's a world record. Right. And there's, you know, all the fish I'm seeing are like, five and a half pounds so it's not gonna be a problem finding one it's gonna be a problem catching get him, get the him in right the boat. one you <laughs> yeah. know i mean like all of them are the right one right but you know on four pound fly or whatever they all have teeth and it just takes one little one thing to nick into oh, the yeah. leader and it's over i mean that's like hair <laughs> and so i would always like to um target those like you you just look through those records and you could find one that was doable i even know one guy robert trossett he set probably, uh, I think the last time I talked to him, he had like 180 world records, and he's from Key West. Well, wow. there's a lot of different spit fish right. just fish for, and there's fly <laughs> and 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 all tackle and class class, and so. But at one point, I remember there was this um, this banquet, and he was giving away a trip, and he guaranteed you a world record. And wow. that's when I was like, I was like, that guy knows stuff that other people don't yeah, know there, too. He's... There's another one that knows stuff. Yeah. And so like, how can you guarantee a world record? He's like, ah, there's tons of them that nobody's even entered one into. You ah, know. gotcha. But, but that was back then. Now I think it's gotten a lot, a little bit more, more competitive as far as that goes. But oh, still, yeah. if you could guarantee a world record. Yeah, you're doing yeah, something right. Yeah, you're, you, you've got something <laughs> figured out. <laughs> and figuring fish out is, once you think you got them figured out, they'll they'll do something different. So Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of the thing. Like, it's a cyclical education. As soon as you think that you've got any of this fishing stuff figured out, then absolutely you in for you can, a tough lesson you can never stop learning in this in this industry it's it's not possible if you do you're not going to last in do it you much have after any that lessons that 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 you've learned like that that kind of surprised you at all um i'm sure i do just can't think of any right off the top of my head honestly um I, not not that i can think of honestly but i'm sure they're they're there i just can't put it together right now yeah um so as far as uh as this uh, your college coaching and the uh, the tournaments go like do you think that um, this is going to be a really good year for you? I think so. I think so. It started off really good at, at Kissimmee at our first tournament. I know we talked about that and it just I 
I hope got some momentum. There's I finished um, 37th in the tournament down there, there so hopefully got some momentum and got good traveling partners and and all that stuff that we you know hang out with and share information and help each other on the lake. So it's a big part of and, it, isn't it? Like yeah. having a, a network of people that you share information with. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's a huge part of it, and that's I think that's one thing that's if we uh, me and Hunter are really big on on this is you know with the college kids, we want them to share information also because they, I think the better they'll do the more information they share and can't you know keep it to themselves and hope just one team does good we want them all to succeed in it and, and you know be good at it so so hopefully that'll help. that being any sort of an issue with young young uh, kids that are wanting to win I, I hope not but it, it could be but you know I you know in the fishing industry a lot there's a lot of people want to keep secrets and yeah, it's always do. been that way not many people want to share information out there but if they can have a tight-knit group and and share it between themselves and know that it's they're all going to work together I, I think we can we can do really good with that and I think the kids will do really good all right. Well, how do people um, follow you, find find you on social media or whatever you <laughs> I'm do? I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Ron Riles. Um, and, you know, there's also you can follow us on Bassmaster.com at the next open and watch the weigh-ins and stuff like that. All right. And they just look for your name? Look for my name and and Hunter's and, and everybody else is out there and the, watch the weigh-ins and, and, then and enjoy the, it. Uh, if you had somebody that was interested in, in maybe uh, – fishing in college mm-hmm. maybe interested in in going to your university what would the, how would they look that up um at florida you could check it out at florida gateway college i know i don't think it's up yet but we're in the process of getting all that online and on the florida gateway college social media um, or contact one of the coaches on social media and we'll be glad to help you any way we can okay all right well good luck to you and all of these things that you got going on man <laughs> thank you I'm sure it's gonna be a great year for you i appreciate you doing I, I this hope with so. me. i appreciate you having me <laughs> all right thanks in wild country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.